What I would love you to do is to have a quick two-minute conversation without using Google. When I say the word hospitality or practicing hospitality or being hospitable, what images come to mind? Maybe what definition would you give it? Just what comes to mind? Is that okay? What, what are we talking about? Two minutes. Off you go. Group one, just give us one thing that you said about hospitality. Who's going to be your spokesperson? Sarah, go for it. Um, it's kindness. Kindness? Unwavering um, kindness. Brilliant. So showing kindness, displaying kindness. Uh, who was group two? Was it you guys or those guys? It was you. Who's going to be... Just give us your top one. Tell us your top one. Um, Who's going to go? Service with others. Service with others. So service with others. Others. So hospitality. Um, serve service of of others. So um, the hospitality industry. That's obviously one of the things, isn't it? Serving other people. So that would be quite a, a contemporary understanding of it. Jonathan, you're going to. Um, the best one we had was that um, hospital means meeting people's needs. Okay. So hospitable is a simple word. Yeah, so the, the root being hospital, kind of as a, as a word, and so um, meeting people's needs. So when people need help, it's helping people. And then on this table, group number four, I've not missed any groups, so who's going to be the spokesperson? It's Mike, everyone's pointing at Mike, so it's Mike, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> it's me, I think, okay. Um, so it's in my so we've got four definitions there of hospitality and I think you're all pitching in the right direction. It's about serving other people, it's extending kindness to people, it's inviting people into your life, um, it's looking out for people, it's uh, the thing of like, uh, the hospital thing, I quite like that, I hadn't thought of that. What I'd love you to do now is turn over your, um, you've got three verses in each group, so the notes will be there. Um, I want you to read each verse, so read the first one. And then tell me what this says about hospitality. You've each got an Old Testament verse. You've each got um, one or two verses from the New Testament. And some of you have got something that Jesus said about it as well in the Gospels. Um, so just read each of those. Don't spend ages talking about it. But what does each one say about hospitality? And then we'll collectively start to get a slightly different picture of it. Is that okay? So if you can start winding your conversations down, that would be really helpful. Um, what we're going to do, we're not going to tap each of the tables for the three verses. We'll be here all afternoon. Um, but hopefully you've had some great conversations around them. What I'm going to do is just speak around a few of these uh, verses that we've got. And so the first one, group one, had a verse that says, When a stranger sojourns with you or travels with you in your land, you, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you. So you're treating someone who's in your land as if they're one of your own, part of your tribe. And you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so just thinking very like, practically, like there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment in the world and there's a lot of people that have been displaced, not just in Ukraine, but also in Syria before that and uh, Iran and Iraq before that. Um, and it, it's always going on a lot of Eastern Europeans that have been displaced that have moved into a land that's not their own some of us are displaced we've moved, think of Emmanuel Nade. they've moved from um, just further along in, in Kent and London same for us, we've moved slowly down this isn't our homeland it is in some way, we're in the UK but actually we're sojourners, we're travelling through and actually the biblical image is that we're all travelling through, this earth isn't actually our final home it's not our resting place we're all journeying towards our eternal kingdom and so we're to be a people one of the images we use is where we say 
Imagine there's a great big dining table. Like in Revelation, I think it's 21 or 23, you see all of the nations, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, gathered together at the, at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Everyone's there. There's always room at the table for one more. We've got one of these tables where we can kind of extend it and put in another leaf and it's a bit bigger. The church should be where there's always one more leaf. There's always room for one more person, one more family, another couple. Someone who's fleeing, like maybe abuse or war, to be able to pull up the table with us. Uh, if you were a Good Friday, one of the things that I prayed was that this would be a place of sanctuary. Sittingbourne would be known as a place that would welcome the traveller. There's a, a real thing around the town here where a lot of people have lived here for generations. Natalie works in one of the schools. One of the things she's noticed is everybody has grown up together and knows one another. It's really, it's like kind of being in Redneck America, for want of a better way of describing it, where everyone's just like a small town. You know, everyone knows one another, but yet there's this massive influx of people like some of you and us who've come here and we're not part of the local story. And so you have these conflicting things going on all the time, the, the us and the them. Not just necessarily about nationalism and ethnicity, but that play comes into play as well. And so what does it look like for us to be a people by being hospitable who are extending welcome, saying, look, come and sit at the table with us. Our table's always going to be big enough. If we need to, we'll change this table. We'll find a bigger place to meet. We're not precious about the places and the things we meet in because it's actually about having the room in our homes and in our heart that there's always room for one more. We've tried to demonstrate that through adopting and fostering. Do you know that we had a, a, a challenge as a husband and wife having our own kids? How far can your heart stretch? Who can you invite into your life? Who can you say there's always going to be a bit more room at our table? You're very welcome. Is that okay to? All good with that? Exciting stuff. The next one, 1 Peter, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Without grumbling. It's tricky, isn't it? Open your heart and your home to other people. Open your life up to people. Let them get in the rhythm of your everyday life. People who you don't really know. It's about love of the other, love of the stranger. We're not talking about just our friends, whining and dining in the church. Hospitality. Having people around for meals. That's a small element of it. But we're talking about welcoming in people that are very different than us, that we don't know. We haven't got any similarities or connection points. Show, show this kind of love which is the same love that God has shown to us. He's welcomed us in, hasn't he? With all of our brokenness, all of our mess, into his kingdom, changing us by the Spirit, by his presence. It's his presence amongst us and in us that changes us. So as we invite people with immense brokenness into our kind of family and our heart and our home into the church, the Spirit begins to change people. We don't say, well, wait at the door until you're sorted out and then you can come in. I don't think any of us came into the kingdom like that, did we? It was grace that changed us. It was the welcome, it was radical inclusion, inclusion in its right sense, that actually changed us. I remember going along to an Alpha course, and uh, I was really messed up. I knew in my heart I was going, I'm sat in the room, and there was a lot of people, kind of like yourselves, mature Christians, who loved me. They heard all the stuff that I was getting up to. All the, I, I remember I was going to get a loan, five grand to buy a BMW. I was like, wait, like 21, something like that. Flash motor, and the, one of the guys said, you, I'd really advise you against doing that. It would be a millstone around your neck. And I didn't feel judged, but I went off and did it anyway. Because I, was, you know, I wasn't a Christian. I was, I was just looking in on faith. And the next, like, a couple of weeks later, I told him, like, he was, I think he'd said, oh, is that your car in the car park? Like, you know, fairly new looking BMW. 
I didn't really want to say yes because I felt like he might judge me. Uh, and I s- said yes, and then he didn't judge me. He was like, oh, it's a nice car. Like, I hope it hasn't cost you too much. Not so much, forget about the car, it could be anything. It was more the thing of I was expecting judgment and exclusion because I hadn't played by the rules. The things that you'd asked me to do, I hadn't done them, and I thought that would put me on the periphery or he might close up to me. He might judge me that I wouldn't be welcome anymore. The opposite was true. Week after week, I found these people loved me more and more despite them knowing more of my faults and more of my failings. Too many of us have lived too long behind masks, trying to pretend everything's all right, and it's not. We've all got it. There's stuff knocking around, insecurities, stories, things that have gone on, disappointments, heartache. We're all carrying around tons of it. The person that I prayed with last week, the big prayer was, put it on Jesus. It's what, what, he, what his shoulders are big enough for. It's what he wants. His arms are outstretched. He says, put it on me. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. Doesn't mean it was all alright. Just get rid of it. I want to carry it. You don't need to carry it. The next one, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some of you, this is a strange one, have entertained angels unawares. You ever entertained an angel? You probably wouldn't know if you had. You probably wouldn't know, but when people are just passing through, be kind to them. Spend time with them. We love doing that when we have missionaries coming through. We've obviously got some sort of link with them, so they're not really... We try and look after people. When new people are moving to the town, we try and help them integrate. It doesn't always work, but we try and help. We try and say, look, there's room at the table. Whether people pull up a chair or not, it's up to them. But we say, look, there's room. When we gather here, we want to say, is there room? Do we need to make a move? Do we need a bigger house? If we knew that we were expecting a couple of kids, we'd probably be asking the very important question, where are we going to put them up? Like, you can only have a cot in the bedroom with you for so many months or years before that starts to get odd, doesn't it? And it's like that in the church. We need to look around and say, is there, is there enough room? Is there enough connection points? We have to change groups so that there's more room for new people to come and connect in. Like, there's this thing of, like, it's not about us, it's about making sure there's room at the table for those that aren't yet part of us. Is that okay? Great. We see that God's doing this for us. Group two looked at the sojourner who's not lodged in the street. I have opened my doors to the traveller. So when you see people passing through, people on, in doorways like this guy here in Job, he's saying, I've put them up. We see that with the, um, the Samaritan on the road. Radical hospitality looks like paying someone else's bill. You're not going to get anything out of it. Like the guy's injured, there's medical bills, there's literally put up for months while the guy recuperates. Might be a bit of a stretch for us to do as families. You think, well, where do we start? I'm not doing that yet. But as a church, what could we do together? How could we do this stuff? Who could we look after? Could we become a place of welcome for refugees fleeing war? Just saying, look, well, collectively, we're going to do it. Not, oh, it's all right for some of the church, but I'm not going to take part. All of us. It's our mission. Is God saying that to us? That's something we should do. Maybe we should pray. I think there's enough in the Bible that it would be wrong for us to say, no, it's not something we would do. The next one, uh, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Hospitality costs money, costs time. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Give. Give into the central pot. Not to me, give to God. We've had some real encouragements this week, which I really can't go into, where people have faithfully given, ridiculously, to the point of like bringing me to tears. 
and I commend you for that because you've not given to me you've given to God through your faith and we've got like this little war chest now that we didn't have a couple of weeks ago that we can use to outwork some of this stuff not to put my hours up not to get me a, a nice new company car or minibus or something or a gold, gold watch and a jet which often happens when you're giving on the telly to some of these guys you know give, give, give wave your offering we really want to be about a great work here and it needs all of us fully invested in every way our time, our talent and our treasure and I make no apology for repeating the words of Jesus and the words of Paul and encouraging you to do that it's up to you if you do it there's always going to be a place for you at the table whether you do it or not but if you're not doing anything you've got to question why you're sat at the table because ultimately it's Jesus that's saying come and do this stuff if we're not saying anything that's in the word of God that's why it's all coming from here then you should flee run for the hills or go to a better church and there's a few in the town that we could recommend you going to but contribute and seek to show so it's not just give and expect others to do it but it's giving to it giving to the life of the church and also you seek to be hospitable talk to neighbours invite people around hang out with people in your lunch break at work open your heart to people invite people to come down the tip with you and help you clear out the garden Open your life to people. It's beautiful when we do that. Not just in the church. We've got to start somewhere. Do it in the church. But if we're not even doing it in the church, we're going to really struggle doing it in the world, guys. We've got the, the biggest foundation stone upon which all of our lives should be agreed and built upon. If we can't do it in the church, we're going to struggle when we're dealing with immense brokenness in our community. We're going to really struggle. We won't have the resources to be able to do it. We might have the money, but we won't have the heart, you know. We could all be giving millions. And if, if our heart can't carry other people and their brokenness without judging them, we're going to struggle. We'll go under. Jesus talking, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. And it says, for I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And if you know this story, this is Jesus saying that every time we reach out to people that are in doorways, that are in prison cells, people that have made massive life mistakes, they've probably done terrible things to people, when we go and love those people and extend grace to them and spend time with them, those who are right on the margins, the least, the last and the lost, is what one of my friends in Margate says, when we, when we involve the least, the last and the lost in the life of Christ, and we do it not out of judgment but out of a kind and generous heart, we're actually entertaining Jesus. We're entertaining God, and he adds to us, not necessarily financially, but he, he does amazing things. Look, our friends, if you were on the prayer meeting uh, Friday night, you'd have heard our friends in Medway, they have seen numbers of people baptised because they've made room at the table for one more. They've opened a chatty cafe, very simple, where people can sit and they can talk. People that were lonely have found, there's room at the table here for me. Then they found the friendship and no judgement, like I did on Alpha. Then they found... Jesus in there and then they wanted to give their life to Jesus and now they're part of a New Testament community and they're loving it and they've been baptised, added in there's loads of stories, I think they'd seen nine people at their last baptism service it's beautiful because they're just believing God for these simple things but it needs all of us to commit to it and that means there's some other things we need to uncommit to if we're too busy to do it then we are too busy and we probably need to look at our priorities because they're not New Testament priorities I don't say in a heavy way it's really difficult. We all end up in positions where we need to work to pay off bills and debts and mortgages or whatever. I mean, I know all of us are in a privileged position about pick and choose where we work, the hours we work, the amount we get paid. 
wouldn't it be great if we could all work a few days a week and, you know, kind of have loads of free time to do stuff like this? But I think God wants us to do this in the places we already are. Not just here in Sitting Bourne in a ministry group, but actually where we work, rest and play with our neighbours. And the people further from Sitting Bourne, for some of you work out of town. It's the life of Christ in you overflowing, which is hospitable. It's not you putting in more effort. It's you saying, Jesus, come and do it. I don't know how to do any of this. But we look at Jesus and we see that he's done it with us. Uh, Just a couple more. I'll I'll rattle through. You shall not oppress a a sojourner or a traveller. You know the heart of a sojourner because you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So all of us were estranged from God and we know what that feels like. And when people are coming through and they're not in the presence of God, we're to be hospitable because we, we know actually we're all trophies of grace. None of us have earned it. And so we don't like, I think the thing of nationalism, this is our town, the thing I alluded to earlier, this is our street, oh, those people that are moving next door. <sighs> you know, sometimes that can be the case, can't it? That's probably what our neighbours thought when we moved in. Those Christians that moved in next door, always singing Kumbaya, banging on the tambourine. But it's this thing of like welcoming and inviting people in. That we're not oppressing people, we're not overlooking people. Oh, these Eastern Europeans have moved into the town. It's so, I can't understand. And if all these new supermarkets, some people talk like that, don't they? You, you may have done it yourself. I'm not being honest. At times in my heart, sometimes I can feel that. You know, there's something ugly in all of us. Sometimes, some of us are prepared to admit it, others, other times we're not. And some of us are just better than others. I'm probably the worst. That's what Paul said, isn't it? I'm the worst of all. But there's this stuff in us that needs to be submitted to something else. And God's saying, I can do it. It's this hospitality thing. It's about the heart. It's about the table. But the table is the extension of what the heart believes to be true. So if the heart is saying there's always room at the table for one more, then that's what's going to become apparent in our house, in our life. It's no good saying, I believe it in theory, but I'm not going to do it. You don't believe it. If you believed it, you'd do it. Sometimes it's not easy, we need help. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it began to rain and was cold. The native people showed us unusual kindness. So we all live in Sittimore now, we are the native people. Wouldn't it be wonderful if there were new people moving to our town? He said, these guys showed us unusual kindness. It was raining and it was cold, and they kindled a fire, and they put a roof over our head. Like, I really think, like, with the thing in the Ukraine, like, I've been thinking for months now. Like, I commend Jonathan and Teresa, they've faithfully been praying morning after morning on this prayer thing. For me, I've been thinking, it's great, you know, like, I commend you for doing that, but I've been thinking, as a church, what can we, like, we can pray, what can we do? Natalie had found um, a Good Friday that there was a, a lady there hearing the gospel being preached on the Good Friday march. And it didn't really speak English. That's going to be one of the challenges. How do you welcome people when you can't really relate? What would it look like for us to be a church that would say, look, we're going to show new people in our town unusual kindness? What, what could we do? What could you do? Could you cook a meal? Could you take someone out for coffee, show them around the town, help them figure out job centres and benefits, fill out forms? Maybe introduce them to some other friends, build into a community. You know, like this is what it looks like, isn't it? What does it look like? It looks like having a bit more time, having a bit more compassion in our heart to actually bear with people when there's going to be all other stuff. They've fled somewhere, there's family back there, just fear, worry, maybe other things that aren't so good. 
how do we carry that as a it sounds let's be a place of welcome we and we just have a welcome team welcome and that's it you can see this is costly isn't it really costly there's a couple of verses in there that said about an overseer of God's church so talking about leaders of the church and elders they must be above reproach they mustn't be arrogant or quick tempered or drunken or violent or greedy for gain but hospitable so anyone that aspires to leadership in the church this has got to be a visible part of your life I know there's a few people that I've talked to that want to do lead, have done lead are maybe you know, kind of involved in some degree of leadership a marker of what oversight and leadership looks like in the church is being hospitable so entertaining not just the church but others beyond the church do you have friends beyond the church whose lives you're investing in sacrificially that's what hospitality looks like so leaders in the church look like that a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined you shall not strip your vineyard bare neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard you shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner I am the Lord your God and so Israel were encouraged in Leviticus the book of law that what they should do is when they were pulling in the harvest at harvest time there it was grapes and wheat and stuff like that they shouldn't bring it all in but anything that fell on the floor just leave it there because that's the provision for the poor and so in some ways like food banks when you do your shopping put some in the basket you know that's a way we could practically do that like I'm going to say this one again because I think we've touched on giving a little bit I've been really encouraged by some of the responses to that the thing of whatever when you're pulling in the whole harvest when your monthly paycheck comes in make sure there's some provision that's allocated that goes I would say through the local church because we're connected to stuff locally so that the poor can be cared for we would love to give more money to the food bank We'd love to give more money to the cap debt centre so they can free up time so they can see more clients. We can't do it. We haven't got enough money. We're losing money at the moment. We just had a trustees meeting the other day. We're still trying to figure out the numbers. I would encourage you to give into the life of the local church. We'll make whatever changes. We, I'm the biggest expense. Like I say hand on heart, I'm the biggest expense. But whatever we need to do to change the fact that I'm the biggest expense, we will do so that we're not in a position where things get precarious. But it requires all of us. I'd encourage you to think about your time, your talent, and your treasure. If you're not giving anything, where can you start? There are some people in the church that literally give five, five a week, five a month. There's others that give ridiculous numbers that I won't go into. If you're not giving anything, it's like zero, month after month after month, and that's your position, I would query what, where your priorities are at. It's where the rubber hits the road. We can't do any of this stuff without resources, without time. And then the last one, whenever you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbours. So don't invite everyone you know, all your circle of friends, all the people that your rich neighbours, the ones that you're trying to lead up to and, you know, wine and dine. Oh, I'd love to be friends with the guys with the fancy house and the nice cars and all that. Lest they invite you in and return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor. Invite the crippled, the lame, the blind and you'll be blessed, because they cannot repay you. There's nothing in it for you. There's no leg, leg up, no step up. We, we invite in those who... We look at the life of Jesus. There was, us being invited into the kingdom, there is no benefit to God other than the fact that he gets the joy of seeing loads of people sat at the table, enjoying his presence, and him enjoying our presence. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So if we do this stuff, we're going to get the best kind of benefit in all of it it's actually being rewarded by God 
That's his promise. That's Jesus' words. He says, if, if you look out for the least, the last, and the lost, the poor, the lame, the people in prison, we're not only entertaining Jesus, but there's a reward, which is actually seeing Jesus as he truly is in the kingdom of heaven. That's a super exciting thing. And something I don't know about you guys, but I, that's what I want to give my life to. Anyone else want to give their life to that? Give us a wave, a couple. A few more. It's encouraging. And over time, I believe there will be others. I think we're coming into a time. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a, a like a doomsday kind of guy, like Nostradamus. But you look at what's going on in the Ukraine and some of the effects of that, just on a global level. I'm sure Jonathan could tell you about the economics of it. He just graduated a little while ago from university, well, last year, on economics. But in the next six months, there's going to be a tidal wave. You've already seen it in the financial market. Stocks are crashing and hemorrhaging. The pound, uh, the dollar, a lot of fiat currencies are hyperinflating. There is, like, all of the seeding and the harvesting in Ukraine hasn't happened, which is going to knock on the food supply next year, which supplies loads of Europe and, and America. The, 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 you see the gas prices, the gas shortages. We're going to hit like a real crunch point in about six to 12 months, maybe even before that, where all of a sudden we'll find that actually the, the, the little that we thought we have, we haven't got it anymore. You know, like not I'm talking about as families. Our, our electric bill's gone up like threefold just in the last couple of months. You know, it's kind of, this is the effect of what's going on in there. And actually there'll be people in the town who are already one paycheck away from destitution who are just going to like get taken out overnight as these things hit. And it's going to require a people thinking like this. Come and sit at the table. There's nothing in it for us, but a community that's just saying, look, we're, we're responsible for this town. We're going to look out for as many people as we can. And collectively, we're going to do it. And those of you who want to do it, that's going to be beautiful. And those who don't, like, come on Sundays, great. But there's so much more that God wants to do in us and through us than just this. Am I okay in saying that? This is what it says. This is what we're called to. And we're, we're entering a time when we either take God at his word or we don't. It's where the rubber hits the road. It's costly in lots of ways. More on a heart level than a financial level, isn't it? This is like, it's a hard thing. It all stems from there. We can all write blank checks and chuck them in the offering plate, but if the heart's not engaged... And so if I can, I just want to pray over the next few weeks, there's going to be other people that are going to very practically root this in like the family home being a hub of hospitality, what that can look like. Susie Vogt's going to come over and do that one. The Vogt family who lead the church over in Medway have spent years literally using their house as a hub of inviting people and inclusion. The church has grown out of that. It's beautiful. The church there is incredibly diverse. Loads of nations. I think over 50-odd nations in the church there. And God's really blessing it. This thing of just faithfully outworking it. And others then resonating with that and doing the same. A raft of people, not just Adam and Susie on their own, but then a raft of people that have come along and said, yeah, we want to do that. It's what we see in the Word of God. We want to do that. We don't see anyone else doing it. We want to do it. You know, and, and so I've been to other church, they're not doing it. We want to do it. And so I would encourage you, do you want to take part in like what is called radical hospitality, radical inclusion in the right sense? Something for us to each think about. So I'm just going to pray. King Jesus, I thank you so much for this beautiful family that you're growing. Uh, Lord, we thank you for every nation, every tribe, every tongue that we're going to meet in the kingdom. And so help us to start fleshing that out now. Uh, Lord, it's beautiful. Like the, the culture, the the stories, the music, it's all very, very different. And we, we learn so much and we are changed as we invite others in. Um, it's not about us inviting others into our perfect world. But actually, we, 
there's a transactional thing that goes on and we see that Lord that you've done that as you've invited us into your perfect Trinitarian community that the Father, the Son and the Spirit have changed us through including us we're no longer the same how could we not extend that to other people and so Lord we do look to you to do all that you want to do in these days give us faith to be generous with our time, our talent, our treasure with our hearts and our homes Lord I, I long for the day where we see other brothers and sisters putting up leaves at the table here where there's other settings across the town where we're gathering because we can't all fit in one place I love that I see that in Midway now it's beautiful that over years you've fulfilled your promises to do that and, and we see that promise it's a biblical promise it's not a specific prophetic thing it's a, a promise to your people it's an instruction that you call us to to obedience and faithfulness and so Lord we look to you for all that you want to do, for your glory we pray, that you would be lifted up above everything else in these crazy days where there's a wave of things that are going to come in the next sort of year or two. Lord, we look to you. We don't know what to do. Help us with our insecurities. Help us with our fear. Help us with our unbelief, we pray. Give us great faith. Lord, we pray for many stories of people coming into the kingdom of God because they've been radically included into something that they really have no right to be a part of. But you've done the same to us, and we're really thankful. Come be with us now, we pray, King Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.